But I was going into Toshi Station, Toshi Station, Toshi Station, Toshi Station. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converter. Power converter. Going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converter. Toshi Station, Toshi Station, Toshi Station, power converter. Hello and welcome to Toshi Station Radio, where for 20 episodes now, can you believe it? We've been trying to sell power converters and talk about X-Wing. We still have no power converters, and it looks like we're not going to have any power converters until after the first of the year. Thanks for sticking around and listening to us talk about X-Wing. I'm Matt New. I'm Doug Howe. And I'm Alex Smith. We really need to fire our distributor. 20 episodes, man. 20 episodes we've gone, and... uh, We, We did the thing. We, we, we did it. I think we uh, were able to get syndicated now. Is All right, podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> now we're Friendship's in over. <laughs> Delete Facebook, move out of town. All the creativity is going to be gone from the podcast after this. Yeah, we're sell that money. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny that we uh, have gone so long having to kind of struggle for content, and now we have an absolute uh, surplus of it this week. The uh, articles have come out for the uh, Xi-Class shuttle and the LAT. LAT. Lat, 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 The Corellia Galactic, the Corellia Galactic qualifier has come and gone, and uh, we are in the new world of extended for the short time. Uh, but before all that, what have we all been up to lately, Doug? Uh, this week, not a ton. I got into Fall Guys, which is the newest internet craze. It's oh, that looks so fun! It is. It's very entertaining. Um. I, uh, I found out I'm going to be on Fly Better's Friday Night Fights, um, September 11th. That will be a week from when this goes live. Yeah. Yeah, at uh, 6.30 Pacific. I'm playing against the uh, former world's runner-up, Kevin Leintz. Uh, I know 6.30 we're... Pacific is 8.30 in real time for all you yes. Midwesterners. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's hyperspace. I'm not sure what he's playing. I did figure out, I did remember what my list was today, which uh, is uh, three Sinars and Von Riggs, So Not that a bad choice. Tune in then. Did you know, uh, you might not have heard this, but Kevin Lentz almost won Worlds. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard that before, I think. Ah, little known fact. Yeah. Uh, oh, Bad watching his, his corn melt. To the <laughs> Back in the day. Uh, well, I've actually been playing quite a bit of X-Wing. Uh, been continuing on in the Militant Casuals Jank Tournament. I am now 2-1. and one. Uh, Got handed my first loss this week. To uh, Kenneth Lyons, who was flying a also a, a jank list, as uh, has been referenced, I'm flying a really weird separatist list, and he was flying a uh, an equally weird uh, re- resistance list, and managed to just absolutely get the better of me. It came down close. It came down to uh, last shot, uh, 137 to 88. But I fully admit I did not deserve that last minute comeback. He he absolutely had me for that game. So. Props to him. Uh, I'm still doing good. Uh, win with good MOV next round gets me into the cut there. So I'm having fun with that. And as of uh, last night, as we record this, I actually made it into the top four of our local league somehow, breaking breaking my 13-game losing streak. I uh, pulled out a two-point win to get into the uh, the top four there. So I'm pretty happy about that. Congrats. Uh, yeah. That's good stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't want to jump the gun and say I've got my mojo back, but uh, it, it felt good to finally win a game after uh, a couple weeks of a drought. Yeah, uh, definitely. It's it's always nice to get over the hump. Indeed. Alex, what about you? Well, nothing X-Wing related since Corellia, but we'll get to that later. Um, last night, though, Doug and I played the game Among Us for the first time. 
If you've not heard of her play that, you have to check it out. It's five bucks on Steam. Now we're paid advertisers. Um, but it's basically the card game, the card game Mafia, basically. But you're in a spaceship online, and yeah, it's like someone person's a betrayer, and you gotta not get killed by them, and then figure out who it was. If you know the games like Resistance or Secret Hitler, it's the same concept. It's a hidden identity bad guy, uh, and. It's yeah. You're you're trying to kill all the crewmen, and then the crewmen can do tasks to come to get the spaceship up and running, uh, to to beat the the imposters or or figure out who they are. It's but it's the imposters can sabotage stuff yeah. as well oh. as lo- along with the murdering. It's very fun. This sounds amazing. Uh, it's I'm so gonna, much fun. I'm gonna have to get it's, in on this. We're 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 firing it up after the podcast recording. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, and the bonus is is it's a much faster paced game because it's on you know it's a video game. Oh uh, yeah. So even if you get killed first, the games are only like five to ten minutes yeah. long. Yeah, it would last more than ten minutes. Dead. If the crates can play D and D or the Hearthstone on their podcast, we can play Among Us on our. Oh, podcast. they've played so much more than just D and D. Well, I don't listen to them anymore because I don't have <laughs> podcast time. Yeah. <laughs> I... All right, but speaking of, uh, if we want to get on topic, we've got X-Wing news this week, guys. Uh, last two weeks, we've actually had articles for the upcoming uh, wave of ships, including the C-Class shuttle. And I did get schooled on this by a native Greek speaker. Uh, X-I is pronounced Xi, not Xi or Chai, which is actually another letter. So almost all of us have been saying it wrong. Uh, the C-Class... Sure to call it X-I, because that's safe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So the C-Class shuttle is uh, the First Order's smaller crew carrier. It's their first medium-based ship. The dial is uh, identical to the U-Wing, only it's also got red three hards. Uh, 2252 stat line, focus, red target lock, red coordinate, and jam. One of the coolest things about it, as we found out in the article, three illicit slots. Well, at least the one pilot has three illicit slots. Yeah, at least Terex has three illicit slots. That might be kind of his thing. Uh, we can assume casters and shambles, though. Like, <laughs> imagine having only two illicit slots. True. True. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we can assume it's got a crew and a tech slot because those come, those cards come with it. And is it only the uh, the Fang that can't use all the cards that come in its uh, pack? Uh, the... So far, yeah, maybe the original B wing. So. No, because the B wing has a mod slot and it came with afterburners. I, th- I feel like there was one other early one that didn't have some. But I can't remember off the top of my head. I have. Uh, it's got uh, four pilots that they previewed. The generic uh, Initiative 2 First Order Courier. At Initiative 3, Agent Terex, who can share those illicits he can carry with First Order ties and SFs. At Initiative 4, Commander Malarus, who gives uh, friendly ships at range 0 to 2 a mandatory strain to reroll blanks on offense. And then uh, coming in, uh, the one I'm probably happiest about, in Initiative 5, Gideon Hask, who... Uh, I think you got Malaris and Gideon backwards. Initiative uh, uh, No, Malaris is a 4 and Gideon's a 5, I believe. Am I, am I right, or did I, get, did I actually get that? You got him backwards. I have Malaris, got a, Malaris yeah, open, is a 5. Yes, yeah, Mal, Malaris is a 5 and Gideon's a 4. Sorry about that, guys. I haven't uh, opened Yasby. This, this is why we're an Among Us podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, y'all know how I love the occasional thematic elements of... X-Wing, and Gideon, as a veteran First Order operative now and pilot, basically can let friendly small ships use his TIE Fighter ability at the cost of a strain to roll an extra red against damaged targets. And I just think that's neat. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, Gideon yeah. and uh, Malaris offer a ton of really interesting options for 
for the. If you don't care about your Tie Fighters dying, yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. In addition, uh, the two tech cards that came with it, we've got uh, automated target priority, which is interesting in that it limits your attack to you have to attack in the closest attack range possible, and if you miss, you get to put a calculate on the card, and it basically becomes a calculate battery. And then sensor buoy suites, which is unique. Uh, you deploy two sensor buoys at the start of the game, and you can take target locks from them as if they were dank droids. But only the ship that's carrying that tech. Yeah, it's a little better, because uh, like dank droids are just when you perform a target lock action, mm-hmm. and the sensor buoys is when you engage, so it is a free target lock. Yeah, that's uh, actually is, uh, pretty it good. It is only that ship. Um, yeah, I've seen some people talk about it as like uh, an, an Upsilon uh, taking uh, synchronized, what is it, target, target synchronizer, synchronizer and mm-hmm. sensor buoys to like let your munitions go off easier. There might be something there. Uh, in general, I think it's pretty good on the Upsilon mm-hmm. because... Tabs so, and getting free target locks to start of engage is a big deal. Yeah, or even just like non-tabs and ones can now actually get a little bit of action economy. Right, um, and plus the First Order has a lot of tricks that work with target locks. Not only the targeting synchronizer trick, but you've got uh, Revis and Lahuse out there. Revis who can get that free target lock off of whoever's taking it. And then Lahuse can use either of those to re-roll his dice. So yeah. that might actually be... It, it's interesting that... Uh, so... I don't think it's a very good upgrade. Like, obviously, if it's cheap, it, it'll have some uses. Um, mm-hmm. it, it creates some interesting scenarios for, like, uh, zone control on opening engages. Like, let's say you have it on an Upsilon, and the enemy, you know, your opponent doesn't want to just let you have a focus-locked Upsilon into the combat, so they're going to avoid those like the plague. Um, so maybe you can, like, block some lanes with them and stuff like that, but arrange one bubble on what is presumably the size of the other devices isn't a huge deal. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I guess, I, I don't remember, is the movement on the cards or was it on the upgrade for like the dank droids? The dank droid? Uh, oh, the, it's on the move. device card. The device card, yeah. So, we're, so yeah, it cannot move around. Yeah, sensor buoys don't move. Okay. And yeah, from what so. we saw of the initial layout, they appear to be about the size of a dank droid, maybe a little larger, but they're a weird kind of clover shape because... It looks like kind of the hourglass with a ring around it, uh, which is basically it's it's a round area. And so, uh, I, I definitely don't think they're awful. Uh, I just because they're limited to just the ship that has them getting the target lock, and they're relatively small bubbles. I don't think they're going to be huge impacts. No, but again, free double mods is usually pretty good. Yeah, it's just the, the how easy is it to actually get the double mods will be the question. Mm-hmm. But if it's cheap, it'll be good. Yeah. That's how it works. So overall, uh, at eleven. Yeah, Doug, uh, what thoughts did you have coming out of that article? Uh, I'm excited for the G. Uh, the C. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I I really enjoy the first order. Well, I really enjoy Kylo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Literally everything else can be taken or leave. But... Yeah, uh, I, I enjoy the Ty Baron as well, and like the Ty Baron and silencers, I enjoy a lot. Um, Aces. And, he likes aces. Yeah. Aces. <laughs> uh, the the C offers some interesting options for them. Uh, it's it does seem more oriented towards the efficiency half of first order, uh, but that doesn't mean that like an I five coordinator isn't useful. Uh, and Malar's ability can still be useful for somebody like Kylo. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I think the ships themselves offer some unique options. Uh, white jam is really strong, obviously. Uh, I think they're 
they're going to be relatively cheap. Uh, like this is just me head simming, but I would guess that the i2 generic comes in at the mid thirties. Uh, maybe, yeah, I would say like mid thirties. Yeah. Given uh, that stat line, I could see that. Yeah, like you look at a U-wing is what forty three, but this has one less attack die and one less health. And, you know, while this is much more of an obvious support ship, I don't think anybody's going to try and use the Xe as a uh, punching gunboat. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's my guess, is it's in the in the mid-30s, and then, you know, maybe Malaris or Gideon is up in the mid-40s. Um, that's, again, that's just total guessing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but what I'm really excited for are the crew. Uh, like, you have uh, Captain... Or not Terex. Yeah, Terex. Agent, Agent Terex. Uh, again, you. a wonderful thematic card for anyone who's read the Poe Dameron comic. The the way they translated that into Terex's crew card, I am so happy about. I say I haven't read any of the Poe comics, but oh, uh, his really, card really is good. Like, so for those who don't know, uh, it's set up. You equip, th- uh, you know, one side face up, and you get three calculate tokens placed on the card. And at the start of engagement, you can choose a friendly ship at range 0 to 3 and put a Calculate token on them. Uh, so you get three free Calculates to pass out. Uh, so that already is just a really powerful effect. That's a huge, uh, that's a huge deal. Yeah, he, yeah. He, and I love, again, thematically, he's a criminal mastermind, and he's good at running his big network of agents. Of course he's passing out advice and Calculates. Yeah. Um, but then on the flip side, even once you've passed out those Calculates... Uh, Whenever you flip him over, uh, during the system phase, roll an attack die. On a hit or crit result, gain a, tacu- a calculate token. Otherwise, gain a, a jam token. And then as an action, you can transfer a calculator jam token to a ship range 0 to 3. Mm-hmm. So essentially, the flip side is now, I either get to keep doing my thing, but it's an action now, which is still pretty good. Like, that's essentially you're taking a coordinate that has a longer range, but it has to be a calculate. Or I get a free calculate. Uh, or, yeah, or you, or I get a free calculate. Or mm-hmm. you can now jam up to range three, which is freaking huge. Freaking, yeah. like, huge. That's the thing. You're, you're, you you're thought actually, Hondo was cray. Yeah. You're mostly praying for blinks and eyes once it flips over. Mm-hmm. So that you can just start doling out jam tokens range zero to three. Like, that's that's such amazing control. Yeah. Um, the re- the reason why I like this, and uh, we're going to give a quick thing for spoilers for the Poe Dameron comic. For those who haven't read it, you might want to skip the next 30 seconds. All right, I'll uh, move back. Yeah. In the uh, in the comic, Agent Terex, uh, after he screws up, the First Order puts like a Lobot cyborg implant in his head to control him. And he realizes, though, that he can short-circuit it by continually tasering himself. So he's basically giving himself seizures so that he can control his own mind, which makes sense. Either he's getting his cool, cunning calculates back, or he's jamming himself continually. And just the the hilarity of how they took that character trait from the comics and actually made it work in the game mechanics i thought that was brilliant yeah and made it useful you know the ability to jam out beyond range one is really really good mm-hmm. it's, it's a huge deal yeah. like he's probably uh, the the star of the pack i think so yeah uh like the commander malaris crew i think is interesting um like I think if it's relatively cheap, it'll be useful. Okay. Um, then I think Pyre is like I've seen a lot of people talk about Pyre. I think Pyre is pretty overrated. Um, which for people that don't know, Pyre is after placing forces, you choose an enemy ship and it gains two stress tokens. And then while you defend, if the attacker is stressed, you may reroll a defense die. Um, so the the setup is decent. Like. Uh, you can pick the enemy ace and put two stress on it, so now it's way less mobile. It's a lot harder to flank. 
if you know something lines up directly across from you to joust, you can dump two stress tokens on it and just you know charge headfirst mm -hmm. into, into the fight. But it's I don't think it's a massively impactful effect. Um, and then the while you defend, if the attacker stress can reroll defense die is really strong. Uh, I guess especially in comparison, or if you combo it with like Phasma. But yeah. in now, general, I don't think I would pay a ton of points for this. Interestingly, Pyre, I think, almost seems to be, because if you're putting two stress tokens on another ship at the start of the game, it just means it doesn't get to take actions on turn one, because you can always just take two blue maneuvers. Almost every ship has a slow blue maneuver. Mm -hmm. And generally, people aren't getting into turn one combat, so you're not getting an immediate brick on that. It just means that ship is not going to speed forward and joust you in most cases. Uh what it seems like it would have been really good on, price permitting, is the old triple upsilons or some version of that with Dormant where you can deploy ships well out into the arena and take advantage of a stressed ship on the early turns of the game. Yeah, I mean, so it, it so, has the use of, like, let's say you're up against an Imperial Aces list, and a lot of times what the trip Aces will do is they'll put one ship directly across from you and, like, the other two in the opposite corner. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, like, the the... The idea is they kind of make neutral moves with the guy in front of you. So if you turn in towards the other guys, he has a super easy flank. Or if you gun it towards him, he just turns out and runs. If you now double stress that ship, its options are way more limited in how it deals with you coming at him. Um, but that's a pretty niche situation. Uh, I think it's mostly a gotcha card. Yeah. And then the the secondary effect is strong, but there's not a ton of ways to force people to stress themselves. Yeah. Interesting that Pyre is a lot like Phasma in the, hey, you're a First Order Stormtrooper commander with special colored armor, and also is stress control. Phasma being, you know, previously First Order's got the only stress control in the game really right now, and neither Pyre nor Phasma Palpatine. seem to be very, uh, that's right, yeah, Palpatine, uh, Chancellor Palpatine can do that, that's right. Sabine he, crew as well. Yeah, uh, you can do it once, yeah, but uh, you're really is looking at... Is the stress at, not controlled? <laughs> you That's have a point. Wish. But really, I think that, uh, you know, those, you know, because uh, Phasma Crew is, of course, 1.0 Mara Jade, and uh, you've got Pyre now. Is there potential for stress control as a first order strategy now that we have a cheaper crew carrier? Doubtful. Uh, yeah, the thing it's is, just the... a, you're, there's just not enough there. Like, when stress control lists were a thing back in first edition with R3A2 and Tactician, it was readily available on multiple ships. Mm -hmm. It's not anymore. Like, also, if you build like, your, round, your list around Pyre and Phasma, that's two ships, and they're probably both XIs, Cs, or whatever, and they, uh, it's not going to carry your list. Also, like, a lot of first edition stress control was, like, created. Like, either you... you gave them stress by attacking, or they received stress by attacking you. And most, like, bo all of the First Order stress control is just position-based. And both of the crew carriers for First Order are lumbering slow ships with limited dials and no repositions. So, like, I think it's possible to throw them on a G, a C, or an Upsilon, and it's not bad. I just mm -hmm. don't think it's reliable, or, like, it's not what you want to build a list around. Okay. Uh, Alex, did you have any uh, specific thoughts that we haven't covered? I mean, there's not much that hasn't been said already, but the best thing for this ship is it's actually it's just opening up some variability in list building. First of all, list building's been pretty stale for a while, especially in hyperspace. Mm -hmm. Even oh, extended, yeah. they don't have much in the way of options. But now they'll get something where they can do besides just Kylo and four 
or the Focho, or Kylo in two other races, or Kylo Tavson in another race. <laughs> they can now do Kylo Von Rig in one of these instead. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Just, it opens up a lot more across the whole faction. It opens up a lot more options. That's really cool. Yeah, cool. I do think the shuttle itself also kind of breathes some life into Snoke and Kylo Cruise. Uh, like in theory, it's cheap enough to fit five to six FOs, or you know, throw in an SF or something in there, so you can get an actual like support ship with a swarm. And now, if you have Snoke, who can look at anybody's dial at any time with six Unless ships on the board range. to block him. Yeah, if, if this is this has the double because Snoke's a double crew slot, right? He yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. So if this has two crew, yeah, it might I, be a good Snoke mobile. I would bet it does. Like that's again, it's, it's a shuttle no yeah. proof, but yeah, like yeah. It's a support ship. Support ships usually have two crew. Yeah, me- medium base that, you know, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't, but who knows. Uh, my thought about it was the the card that a lot of people are talking about is that uh, automated target priority. Uh, one of the interesting things is that it's limited to initiative three and below. It falls into the, the realm of what I call insurance cards. Cards that are there to do something for you if things go wrong. Uh, the idea that if you miss, you get a calculate. That's generally pretty good insurance, but it comes along with things like a munitions failsafe. If you're going to miss, trigger munitions failsafe and don't waste your charge. Uh, or dead man switch. If you die, you get to do a damage. <coughs> Excuse me. Things like that historically have not been a good strategy to build around because they rely on something going wrong. There is no immediate upside to automated target priority. And the limitation of having to attack the closest range band, I think, depending on how cheap it is, I don't know if there's an easy way to break that. So uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say if it costs anything more than one, it's a garbage upgrade. Mm-hmm. See, you saw it. The more I th- like, so when it first came out, when the articles first released, I was like, okay, maybe it has some interesting options. But the more I think about it, the worse of a card it is. Uh, a lot of people like to compare it to like Ray Crew from first edition, but you have to miss an attack first. Yeah, you can't just charge it up with an action. If you could charge it up with an action, like take an action, put a calculate on this card, oh, yeah. that that would be totally great. different card. That's a great yeah, card. That would be great. So, <laughs> yeah, let's let's even say it's one point, and you can fit like. Six TIEFOs with this automated target priority and Commander Malrus in the shuttle. Okay. Uh, so, like, the, you have a nice beefy seven ship swarm, and if they're missing, they're still getting calculates. You're still looking at your opening engage, you're getting zero value out of this card. And as long as you hit, you're still getting zero value out of this card. Right. <laughs> and even when you miss, you still don't get value out of this card until the next turn that you're, like, that it's reasonable for you to even pull the calculate. Like yeah. if you if you then disengage the next turn with that TIE Fighter, it you're not gonna pull the calculate and just waste it. So it's still not getting value for turns and turns later potentially. And at the end of the day, it's one calculate token. Like uh it, it just it feels like a a trap card to me. Mm-hmm. Indeed, yeah. indeed. If it's one point, maybe it sees some use because you can throw it on TIEFOs and you know if if it triggers once on each TIEFO, that's worth it. Um but any more than that, and I think you just leave it in the box. I don't. I don't really see a release for it besides that. Excuse me, that niche case that Doug just brought up. Yeah. Now, and, like it would be great on somebody like Kylo or Quick Draw, but obviously they were thinking about that because it's limited to I three or lower. 
Right. Like, an ace that can that doesn't care about its offense, cares about staying alive, is going to love the, well, my shot didn't do damage, but now I get another defensive token when I need it. Mm-hmm. Now, someone uh, in the Discord had mentioned, what if it's the first negative point upgrade? You're giving your ship a definite limitation. Uh, make it cheaper. I, I mean, yeah, if it's a if it's negative points, then you 100% take it, but there's no way that should be the case. Like, it still has a positive, though. It's not just drawbacks. Yeah. And like, I bet money we never we don't see negative upgrade costs for a long time. Yeah. Right. Were there any in first edition other than Chard and Refit and Renegade Refit? No. I don't uh, because uh, the uh, Interceptor Delta one was X7 zero. And the Star Delta X7 was oh, yeah. there, were, there were fixed cards. Is yeah. What yeah, but they were all fixes. None of them yeah. were just straight upgrades. Right, so I think the the design space is such that you wouldn't need to do something like that. Either way, ATP, you're exactly right. It does sound like a trap card. Yeah, and and I didn't even address the you must choose the closest valid defender. Um, that's a really like it's, that's way worse than people are making it out to be. Uh, you oh, people have said, fire. wouldn't you be doing that anyway? Yeah, like you might be, but but like you might be focus firing. Yeah. yeah. So let's take, for example, uh, like Fen Rao is notorious for being amazing at range one on defense and not awful <laughs> everywhere else. Oh, God, if everybody has to shoot at Fen and waste all their shots. Or I land Fen at range two. Oh, crap. Oh, wait, I have a TIE fighter at range one. Who cares? Like, now you can't take six shots into Fen Rao. You have to kill the TIE fighter first. Oh, right. Not only that, you have to kill the TIE fighter and keep shooting at the yeah. TIE fighter because it doesn't go. Oh, yep, exactly. man, that. Okay, so that's a definite drawback. To I think this. That, yeah, this, this is a terrible of. card. Yeah. This is a trash tier card. Yep. All right. So this is, this is up there with a saboteur. At one point, maybe. Anything above that, and absolutely not. All right, we have a new entry into the uh, the trash club. All right. People got really mad about trash club on online. I Did saw they? there was a, there was a forum post about R four Astromech one time on on the Reddit. And we got called out for being wrong about R4 Astromech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we weren't wrong. You're wrong, we random Reddit person. <laughs> but in addition, uh, so we, we saw that. And then uh, as we're recording this yesterday, the long-awaited news has arrived. Lat. Moses has come down lat. from the mountain. The lat article is here. Lat is here. Now, uh, <laughs> Offline, we've already had a bit of an argument because I looked at it initially and said the dial was worse than the Lambda, but Doug, you came out with a, a strong rebuttal to that, and I've... I believe I just uh, came out with proof that you were wrong. <laughs> I, I actually... <laughs> strong I, rebuttal, like 100% <laughs> rebuttal. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the, gar- the, the dial is bad, but it is not Lambda-level bad. Uh, it suffers from only having two blue maneuvers, but yeah, so... this is also a ship you shouldn't be stressing often. Right, so if you take a Panic Pilot, yeah, it sucks. It sucks on every. It sucks on everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, the only one and two forward being blue hurts. Uh, like you're, it has the reinforced option technically, but you don't want to use it because it's red. Indeed. Which maybe we should go over what the actual stat line and stuff is. Yeah. Not. So the, the stat line, you've got a uh, a two die bow tie turret front back. So it's uh, either front back or side side. One agility, eight hull, and two shields. It's got the focus, the red reinforce, target lock, rotate, and reload. Oh, so a white reload? I didn't realize it that. has a white it's reload. A white reload. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, going to be a, an interesting one. And the, sh- the chassis ability, all four pilots that we see come with two recurring charges. And the chassis ability is fire convergence. While a friendly ship, no range, performs a non-turret attack, 
If the defender is in your turret arc, you can spend a charge, and that ship may re-roll up to two attack dice. This is why you're bringing the lat. It is effectively, for everything that isn't a, uh, a Delta-7 or an arc, this is a free target lock, two of them that you can hand out to any ship when they need it. Wait, why not a Delta-7? Because uh, Delta-7 has three attack dice. Uh, well, okay, yeah, it's, not, it's not a full target lock is what I mean. You know, they can reroll yeah. all oh, their Yeah, no, yeah. but it's still amazing on them. So yeah. that, oh, hey, exactly. Fun fact about the lat, those charges recur yeah. Yeah. as well. It's not twice so, per game like we all thought. Yeah, we when I was originally... I was originally thinking about this ship similar to, to the Z and thinking it was going to be like maybe mid to high 30s. And then I realized that that a bit like a just how strong that ability is. And two, that the charges re reoccur. Indeed. And, oh, my that, God. I'm a way to break this ship. For, yeah. For Creed. Uh, like, this, this is going to have to be a it's the cost is going to be so odd on this because upgrades are going to make this ship. Uh, it's got from what we can gather from the cards that come with it. Uh, most likely missile missile because of the multi-missile pods that we know come in the pack. Uh, a crew and a gunner slot. And again, assuming we can carry all the cards it's got with it. The pilots we see, the Initiative 2 generic 212th Battalion pilot. Uh, Initiative 2 named pilot, Hound, who if uh, small ships in his arc take a strain or deplete and he doesn't already have a strain or deplete, he can take that away from them. Right. Kind of like... Uh, Kind of like Plo Koon's, uh ability, but... Uh, it's a really strong ability. Yeah, it's a strong ability to keep, you know, your your important ships from getting strained when they need it. Yeah. Uh, at I-3, you get Warthog. Warthog turns everybody at range 0 to 2 of him, including himself, into Fel's Wrath. They, if they get unlimited destroyed... Unlimited ship. Yeah. If, if, yeah, not unlimited. If you get destroyed, you are not removed until the end of the engagement phase. That is... I don't... It, it's an insurance ability, again. It's uh, one of those, if you die... No, say, so I actually disagree here. I yeah. think Warthog is amazing. Yeah, no, it's an insurance ability, but where I was going with this was, it's actually good. You don't want to build around it. You don't want to build, like, a suicide torrent squad. This is one of those, no matter what, your guys are going to get to shoot if they've got a shot. And that's a great ability. I thought, in first edition, I thought Fell's Wrath was just such a neat ability that I would love to have seen as a title that you could put on an Interceptor. This gives it to all your generic pilots that are close to Warthog. And that can be pretty good, especially with the fact that Torrents are cheap. Uh, Jedi Knights that get to survive to shoot. Uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of room for this. So my bold so, prediction right now is that Hound costs 47 points. Yeah, sorry, Warthog. Yeah, a sinker and four torrents costs 154 points. Yeah, and so yeah, that's exactly what I thought. A sinker swarm, he'd be great in, so there's no way you're going to be able to fit him in a good one. Yeah, because, I mean, if you just think about a sinker swarm, like, one of the best ways to try and beat a sinker swarm is to try an initiative kill a torrent or two, and Warthog just says, nah, they're still going to shoot. You're still going to have to shoot. through a sinker before the yeah. torrent shoot. And now, yeah. if you roll double blinks, Warthog's like, that's okay, re-roll both of them anyway. Like, it doesn't matter if ah. your variance is awful. Okay, and you, you're exactly right. Because it's non-limited, uh, his ability does not apply to himself. It it does, after it does? you or a friendly. Oh, you or, okay, I, I copied that down wrong. Ah, so, okay, he so he does get to be Fel's Wrath. So it's just, he can't, he can't do broadside. Ah, all right. And not then, broadside, uh, sinker yeah. and a sinker swarm. Also broadside, but that was a bit of a... 
thing. I just thought of something crazy. I guess I'll let you finish talking about Hawk first. So yeah, Hawk, the crazy Hawk thing is, I thought of. All right, Hawk is the initiative four, and his ability during the end phase, friendly ships at range zero to one who did a speed three to five maneuver can take a strain to perform a white boost or barrel roll action. Uh, potentially really good for fellow lats or himself, but, uh, and if you're just going to do a blue maneuver anyway, taking a strain in the end phase is negligible. So but, this is a way better swoop, but yeah. it's still range zero to one, so it's still going to be largely useless, I assume. Um, maybe yeah. how often is your five, your five speeding straight into range zero to one of an, of a lat? Yeah. Like, how often does that happen? Right. Like, I, I think it'll be useful. It'll be more useful than Swoop, like, for Hawk himself. Yeah. Like, he'll take the strain, but he's a one agility ship anyway. So, like, even if you don't clear it, he probably wasn't going to dodge the damage, uh, like, mathematically. So, taking the strain isn't a big deal. And if that boost is going to get you better positioning for next turn, that's probably worth it. Um, Indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, he, he won't hurt for sure. I don't remember. Was Oddball in this pack and they just haven't revealed him, or is Oddball actually... Uh, no, Oddball is not a lap pilot. Oddball okay. is going to be a uh, V-Wing pilot. How dare you. If Fighter pilot, not a shuttle pilot. How like, dare show, you. Put some respect on Oddball's name. Oddball <laughs> fly whatever he wants. He's a hero. Indeed. Uh, I just had to look and see if you could put afterburners on a medium base, and you can't, because suddenly the idea of a lat and a pound with afterburners, where he's just going to move and boost every turn... <laughs> And just strafe all the way around the battlefield. The thing about Hawk is you don't have to have the booster barrel action. So no. So Torrents can boost can can boost off of a Hawk boost. Say yeah. somebody on the internet already figured out if you put him next to Y Wing or or not sorry, Y Wing, Naboo Anakin, you can barrel roll Anakin three times before <laughs> <laughs> Which if you take advanced sensors on Anakid. You know, at, the, at the start of the end phase you barrel roll him, and then you Anakid barrel roll, and then you advanced sensors barrel roll. <laughs> barrel roll. And now you've done the equivalent of a five left or right. Yeah. So you've done a five straight, but to the left or right before you And then move. like a little bit forward or back. Well, yeah. well, you're probably a whole base forward or back if you go the same amount yeah. each time. So, like, obviously right. that's more ridiculous than than anything else. But if you manage to pull it off, it's probably pretty strong. That's, that's props that, that, is, that is officially the second most ridiculous thing you can do in Republic with cards that come in the lat pack. And I'll go into the first most ridiculous thing uh, when we give our opinions on this. But Alex, you actually had some uh, input on this here. It's a crazy thing that occurred to me while you were reading. Um, the LATS ability can affect itself if it's using missiles. Yes. So you can just slap barrage rockets on there and get fully modified attacks. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, barrage rockets or... Uh, 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 no, you're not in your own arc. Oh, yeah, no, the you're not in your own arc? Never mind. It's, it, no, it's... Uh, yeah, the, the, the defenders. Oh, it's the defenders in your arc. So yeah, defenders it does work. Yeah, on it does work on yourself. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's really good with uh, that. Is good with uh, multi missile pods that it comes with. Multi. I'm not convinced on multi missile pods. Period. Same. Uh, I think the thing about multi missile pods that I like is the fact that it's a 180 degree arc. Okay, but it's a two attack dice, so I still don't care. Fair. In yeah. general, two barrage, attack dice. Barrage rockets are strictly better. Yeah, I'm saying because we got. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I say we've got this Ava secure card. We'll get to later. Mm-hmm. So you bring your uh, little lat with your barrage rockets and your Ayla Secura. You've got your white reload for flipping rockets back over. Ayla lets you focus into coordinate one of those two Jedi you brought with this murder lat. Boom. <laughs> There's my list for crate. Yeah. Just p- pick Obi-Wan of the next best Jedi I can fit with it. 
Boom. Great list. So the thing with multi-missile pods is this ship has to be expensive. It's just like the ship chassis is too good for it to be cheap, mm -hmm. which means you're looking at close to 50 points, I'm guessing, with multi-missile pods. Like maybe more, I don't know, depending yeah. on what its cost is. Um, yeah, thinking and that's, that's for a two-attack die shot, so I don't care how modified it is. That's not worth it. Yeah, I, the, the my gut feeling says it's going to be close to the equivalent cost of the ARC-170 in the faction. So you can put, like, one or two upgrades on the generic, and it'll be 50 points. Yeah, uh, that's, and, I, I feel like that's probably about right. I don't, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to give an exact number, but close no, to the ARC is probably about right. I hear by the end of the month. Yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll know this month. Uh, the cards it comes with, though, I think, are the real strength of this expansion. I thought that until I realized Barrage Rockets get to trigger the reroll, and now I'm all about the ship itself, too. Well, I mean, so, multi-missile so, pause is neat, but everything else in this pack is just... There's so many potential... You know, it, it opens up a lot. So shout-out to uh, Mark Myers from Arch Alliance in St. Louis. Uh, whenever this article dropped, he said something along the lines of... Uh, I think if any wave is going to break the game, like similar to what happened in first edition, it's going to be this wave. And I think a lot of the lat upgrades are the reason why. Yeah, specifically the Jedi. So yeah, like we got what four different Force crew yeah. in one wave. So let's go over the uh, along the with and... a bunch of other powerful non-Force crew. Yeah, the crew and gunners that come in this. Uh, for gunners, you have Clone Captain Rex, who. Uh, when you perform an attack, you can spend a focus. If you do, each friendly ship that has the defender bullseye can gain a strain to perform a focus action. That is very situational. Yeah, it's um, it's probably not good, but it's also probably really cheap. It almost seems like it's made for working with CLT Jedi. Yeah, that's true. I actually hadn't considered that. It is Rex is the notorious. Yeah, fan of it's definitely work first Jedi or Ada's. It also works really well with Ada's. Yep. Or, yeah, because they just have a three die bullseye. They mm -hmm. do. Yeah. Uh, then you have his uh, clone brother Fives, who after you perform an attack that missed, if the defender's initiative is equal to or greater than your initiative, place an evade or focus token on this card. Before you engage, you may remove one token from this card to gain a matching token. So he is like the automated targeting priority without the drawback. Uh, with a better and with a better upside. Yeah, with a better yeah. upside. It just he's means also, you gotta kind of be, uh, you know, hunting a higher blank. initiative. He's also a blank card against lower initiative ships. Right. So you you've got a little thing, and again, it's one of those thematic things. There, fives always tends to get himself outmatched, but come out on top somehow. Yeah. I uh, think fives is also bad. So I'm just gonna put that out there. Uh, I think pretty much everything that requires an attack to miss is a bad card. Yep, the exception being Gunner from 1.0. Yeah. So, <laughs> but so you look at Bosk, which is Gunner from 1.0, and it's C0 play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you do have to. Take it's the exact same cost it was in 1.0 as well. Yeah. You do like, have to take a stress, whereas he didn't in first edition. But but still, like, Bosk is just Gunner, which was a considered a good card in first edition, and it's seen zero use. Right. Uh, which is it's because relying on attacks to miss is not a, it's not a good strategy. Yep. And then you have the Gunner card that I thought was the most broken card I'd seen in the game until I actually read the text properly. Uh, Suppressive Gunner, which is not faction-restricted, so any any ship that can take a Gunner slot can take it. Oh, really? I yeah. Know, it wasn't While you perform an attack, you may spend a focus result. If you do, the Defender gains one Deplete token unless it chooses to suffer one damage, which is really good. At first, I thought it was... 
uh, strain token. And I thought, oh god, if you can give them a strain token before they roll green dice, that's broken. But I mean, yeah, if it, yeah. if it were that though, it wouldn't have the chooses to suffer a damage clause. Yeah. <laughs> it would just give them a strain token. Yeah, uh, but the idea of it it gives a control element to Republic here. It makes broadside a really interesting control piece because Any, anything with a high initiative gunner slot in any yeah. faction is a really that's really solid on right on low initiative if you're shooting a higher initiative ship that's already shot they're just going to say give me the deplete they but, are but if you don't have a focus like you're getting you're still controlling them you're controlling their dial for the next mm-hmm. turn right um, so it, if you roll results and don't have a focus token yeah. yeah if if you're in one of those cases where uh broadside has been bumped or any ship really gets bumped it gives you a use for that focus out there uh it's situational, but it's a, it's a control piece. It doesn't add any direct offense because it, it puts the choice in your opponent's hand. If they really, really want to get that shot with no deplete and they feel it's worth taking a damage, yeah, I mean, like, Tabson. Tabson's going to love getting shot at with this thing. <laughs> but uh, you should never trigger it against Tabson. Yeah, it's a may. Um, depending on cost, I'd say it's either include a lot of the time or... Never include, yeah, depending yeah. on cost. Depending I, on cost I think this is going to either be oppressive or non-existent, depending on price. Right. And Although then, legit was like, what if I replace Han Gunner on Cavill with this? Then Cavill's just depleting people at I-5. It being open to every faction, though, is really interesting. Yep. And then we have our two uh, crew plus gunner slot okay, cards. Okay, sorry. Real quick. I just yeah. realized it has a really weird good synergy with Lieutenant Kestrel in the TIE Aggressor. Yes. Because Kestrel doesn't want to spend her focus on offense, because she wants to spend it to prevent you. Oh, you're right! It makes Kestrel an even better Jedi hunter. I mean, Kestrel isn't good at anything. No, but it it makes her a less terrible ship. Kestrel's going to be great one of these days. Somehow that aggressor is going to be good, I swear. I mean, she's dirt cheap now. She's only 30 points. But Indeed. Anyway, it's probably bad. I'm not recommending you take Lieutenant Kestel just as a official. I mean, try, try it. Try yeah, it see, maybe it works. If, if suppressive but we're not endorsing it. So here's the thing: if suppressive gunner's cheap enough to make Kestel good, it's probably just too good of an upgrade. Is that's my bet. <laughs> if it makes if it makes but an it aggressor does... good, it's too good for the game. Yeah, like uh, an aggressor with a. Just think about sh- good ships with a gunner upgrade. Yeah, <laughs> like I think aggressors are fine naked, but I wouldn't put upgrades on them. But, like, okay. if it's good enough to put on an aggressor, think of it on, like, a Falcon or something that is now doling out depletes. Like, a Han, a level, an I-6 Han is now doling out depletes at I-6. Yeah. Before you can be shot back at. he doesn't that, have Luke Gunner. Yeah, that could be pretty good. <laughs> so Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> then we have the, uh, the two cards that are Crew plus Gunner, and they, uh, they are both kind of squads. Uh, you have, they're both unique. Uh, Wolfpack, which is Republic only. Uh, after a friendly ship at range 0 to 3 defends, if the attacker is in your firing arc, the defender may gain one strain token to acquire a lock on the attacker. Uh, not terrible, but... I great not... upgrade. You see what? Uh, great upgrade. I think it's really yeah, strong. It, it's Magvayaro for everybody in your... Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, your entire team, as long as you've got the defender arc, and it costs them a strain, but if they've already been shot at, because it's after they defend, they get to, you. Yeah. 
includes you. friendly ship at range zero to three. Yeah, your friendly ship. So that uh, again, handing out free target locks always good. Now, ironically, the other ship that can hand out free target locks is Jag, and not all that good. But yet, you can put Wolfpack on Jag. Jag and- only. Himself a target lock. Yeah, Jag gives himself a target lock, but you can kind of do the, uh, you know, target lock passing around. You've got targeting synchronizer out there, which I don't think oh, is a I good card, mind you. You put but, pack on Jag after yeah. a friendly ship defends. Both of you get target locks. Like, exactly. Yeah. So you're able to uh, kind of, in a very thematic clone way, you're able to fight against higher initiative ships kind of strong and i kind of think that's maybe where they're going with the republic they're low initiative ships but they're good against higher initiative ships well yeah but so the thing about um wolfpack is it's good regardless of when you shoot because tarlox right. go away mm-hmm. so even if you're the higher initiative ship uh it's after you defend which means taking the strain token is largely irrelevant so you can do a blue maneuver to clear it the next as long turn. as you're eating not eating more shots well yeah, yeah but it's a may so like you yeah. can choose for the lap into the lash ship shoots you yeah um, but even if you shoot first like you then have a target lock for the next turn um so it, it's I, I think wolfpacks are really a really good card yeah it makes you really strong as higher initiatives because you already have to have a shot on the attacker it's only in your target in your firing arc so you're going to be able to use the target lock that turn if you take it against a higher initiative ship yeah and then you have the other uh group ghost I, oh, you have something on wolfpack i do um so like doug said like the ability to give a Jedi a free target lock when they're shot at is especially a CLT Jedi who usually don't have full mounts because they're forcing to move and then have to focus every turn to trigger their their CLT. Mm-hmm. This gives like CLT Jedi getting this, even like I six like Anakin within CLT or Obi Wan in CLT, they getting this target lock is huge for keeping that offense as high as it would be if they were Delta Bs. Yeah. Now they do have to take a strain, which is a bigger issue on like Jedi than it is on Torrance, but mm. indeed. Uh, but, I, but again, hopefully it's the last time you're being shot at when you actually acquire it. And then, yeah, but like then even limiting, if, limiting the dial on a Jedi is a bigger deal than limiting the dial on a Torrent. Fair, so. fair. Um, Interesting thing also. Bay, so you yeah. can always take it at opportune times. And Indeed. It doesn't have to trigger all the time to be super useful. Unlike, unlike a lot of the other upgrades and abilities, this does not say after a non-limited friendly ship. So this actually can apply to limited ships as well. Yep. All right. And then we've got Ghost Company, uh, who is uh, you need to be Republic, and you need to have the rotate action. The ship, the card gives you a rotate linked into red focus. However, That's you cannot, yeah, you cannot assign it to a ship without the rotate action and use its own granted ability for that. Uh, so you have to have a turret or a rotate action natively. And the ability is after you perform a primary attack, if you are focused... You may perform a turret attack against a ship you have not attacked this round as a bonus attack. It's Bistan, uh, but specifically for the Republic. So I do like the fact that it gives rotate into focus for yes. one hilarious, not good, but funny interaction. And that is with R2-D2 in the Beetle B Y-Wing, because instead of an astromech slot, he has a crew slot. So you can put Ghost Company, the entire company, in the cockpit of R2-D2's Y-Wing, give him the ability to take the focus action, and double tap with R2, ideally if people are behind him, so his own ability triggers. And that is quite possibly the dumbest interaction of cards 
the visual of it is hilarious and I love it. And if anybody ever actually runs this, I insist to be dubbed the clown car because the idea of an entire clone company having to cram into the cockpit of a Y-Wing is the best visual that this pack offers. Yeah, uh, but don't take Ghost Company. Yeah, yes. from a better standpoint, like Biston is bad. We went on a very long rant about how Biston is bad. <laughs> True. This Again, is... this is one that's like because it requires you to have a f- to have a focus to fire your second shot. You're not modding your first shot most of the time. Mm-hmm. That's bad. Just shoot the target you want to shoot with mods. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, the best thing about this card is the f- the rotate into focus. Yeah, yeah that's really that's really good. Though. That's decent, but. Uh, I mean, it might be cheaper than Biston because it takes two crew slots or it takes a crew and a gunner slot. Uh, but Biston's still like, I don't know, like if it's double digits, you absolutely don't take it. Yeah, and... it is. It is Republic only, so the only ships it can go on that can use its ability. Well, actually, the only ships it can go on. Period are R two D two or the Lat. So far, the Arc. Oh, the Arc doesn't nope. have to rotate. Arc doesn't yeah. have a rotate action. So it's, it's, uh, that would just <laughs> it, it would through. literally do nothing on the Arc. But uh, as we've mentioned, the uh, crew cards making this ship really good. Here now we have the game-breaking Jedi Commanders that go on these ships, starting with Kit Fisto. Uh, boy! My boy! <laughs> Kit Fisto! Kit Fisto, who has one recurring force charge and gives a purple evade. At the start of the engagement phase, you may choose one friendly ship at range 0 to 1 and spend a force. If you do, it may perform a red evade action. Does Alex, not suck. is this good? Does yeah. not suck super hard. <laughs> yeah, like, like it's not bad. Yeah, I don't think his ability is particularly good, but it's a force point, so who cares? I put Kid Fisto as probably a decent card, or the decentest card is what I but said. The thing is, his ability is not that great, so he could be like seven sister price, and then who cares? Yeah. A nine point force point. Like, there's, there will be niche times where you oh, it's yeah. zero to one. Never mind. No, like giving a random ship a red evade when it needs one is not bad, and, including yourself. It's yeah. true. And he gives himself purple evade as well. So, right? Is that right? But, yeah, he gives himself purple evade as well. But the idea that you can take a focus, and then if it turns out you're going to be shot at the start of engagement, you can give yourself that red evade. Yeah, and then you already have target lock built into yourself because you're a lat. If you're yeah. firing missiles, so I would so. say Kit Fisto is my favorite of the four force pilots or force crew in terms of relative strength. All right, he's uh, the coolest Jedi. So <laughs> the next one is uh, Plo Koon, who also has one recurring force charge and gives overrated. a overrated. It's the character. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> he gives a purple reinforce. The art on this card is really badass, and I would love to get that. It's from that opening ser- that opening arc of Clone Wars. Yeah, uh, I really love that they did it as a nice painting. But uh, his thing is, at the start of the end phase, if you are reinforced, you may choose one friendly ship at range zero, i.e. yourself, most likely, or in your side arcs at range one. That ship removes one deplete or strain token, or repairs one face-up damage card. I take it back. I think Plo Koon is the worst of the Force crew. Yeah, his ability is the worst, but purple reinforce... Beats red reinforce on a lat. Yes, yeah. it does. But like, uh, unless I'm being shot at a ton of times, I would rather Have take a evade. focus and then take a red evade with um, yeah. what's his face? Yeah, Kid Fisto, the hero Jedi. Someone has uh, mentioned that uh, what Plo Koon allows you to do is put him on Hawk and effectively remove the penalty for doing the boost. Yeah, that's true. 
uh, means you, it means you're purple reinforcing every turn and having unmodded attacks, but hey, yeah, just just yeah. put a missile on there and yeah. they're not unmodded anymore. Precisely, I'm saying that's or or you're just using him for his ship chassis ability, and he's just a support ship that's really hard to kill now because he's yeah. reinforced all the time and moving around like crazy. Yeah, so uh, Plo, pretty good there if you want to be able to have your lat reinforced without stressing itself. Also, force point. Yep. Yeah. Uh, then so come... The reason I think he's the worst, though, is like I think a lot of people are going to take him for the purple reinforce, but then you're you're actually just paying a ton of points to essentially turn your red reinforce white. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It does, yes. Which it's, is... Yeah, he's he's angled deflectors without the shield cost. Um, but likely at like 900 yeah. points. Yeah, keep yeah, going. He's, I, he's, I, I have a point, but I'll make it one of her later. Uh, other stuff. And then we get to the card that everybody is talking about, Ayla Secura, who is, again, one recurring force point and a focus linked into purple coordinate. Burn it down. That is going to be what breaks the game. Yeah. Uh, okay. Can I go yeah. into my rant now? Well, let's, let's get her ability first, which okay. is an odd one. While an enemy ship in your bullseye performs an attack, if the defender is friendly and it rains 0 to 2, the defender may change one blank result to a focus result. So a similar type ability as Barris and Luminara. I have but... one thing to say about her ability as a card. Okay. Who cares? Yeah. Reinforce link into core or focus link into coordinate. Blank card. Who cares? It's not the ability. Yeah. You're never going to use matter. your ability. Focus into I mean, coordinate. Ah, uh, Doug, give us your rant. Okay. So. Uh, she is the biggest defender of the three bad ones, in my opinion, which are Plo, Yoda, who we'll get to, and Ayla. Uh, but all three of them, it's not necessarily that I think they will break the game right now. It's that they are going to limit Republic's design space so much, because you can now never give Republic a crew carrier that can carry games. They have to be slow and immobile, or they have to be support ships. Like, can you imagine... Dash Rendar with Ayla crew. Oh my god. Like, this is now an I-5, essentially large base ace with a four-die mobile turret that can focus every turn and still give a buddy actions. Like, even on a, a lesser note, can you imagine, like, an Upsilon with Ayla crew? Because now, the Upsilon's still still modifying its four-die shot, but is also still coordinating every turn. Yeah. Like, as long as it's just on the lat, this is a strong card, but it's not insane. The problem is that now, that, like, it just limits what Republican have without breaking the game wide open. Like, okay. Counterpoint to that. The Sheathapi docked to the ghost does the exact same thing. A free coordinate. Okay, but Ayla's and not going to cost 32 points. She's not going to cost... It's not going to be limited to one ship chassis either. Right. And here's the thing, though. Uh, we've seen that powerful force abilities uh, on crew can be priced really high. Uh, Resistance Leia, for example. Uh, I, I'm saying she needs to cost more than Resistance Leia. I will absolutely agree. Uh, I think Ayla's price needs to start with a 2. Yeah, and no argument there. This is going to be the most expensive crew card in the game. Uh, if it's not, there are some problems. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, I don't think it will. Yeah. Uh, but Mid-teens. Yeah. This anyway, like, the point is, is like Ray was already out when Leia came out. Mm-hmm. Like the Resistance already had its big, beefy, large base ship that's designed to, you know, be the the, the superiority fighter of the faction. Like Republic doesn't have that yet for a large base ship or a medium base ship. Like they have the slow lumbering arc, and they have the support ship in the lat, and they don't have any other crew carriers. 
so anytime you're designing a ship for Republic now that has a crew, a crew slot, you have to take into account Ala Secure, you have to take into account Yoda, like you have to take into account Plo Koon, who can now give a purple reinforce to your 12 health Falcon or whatever. Like, well, here's the thing. This also means you're never going to see a crew carrier in the Republic with a force uh, point or a force talent slot because this is the one case where battle meditation could be really abused. Oh, I'm certain we will see a large a ship yeah. with a crew slot and the force talent in Republic because like, the Twilight it, exists. Yeah, the twi uh. So the Twilight is the perfect example. Like The Twilight from a design space is probably that type of ship. Like at minimum, it's like a, a scimitar from CIS. Like it's a maybe know, arc yeah. locked, but it's but a head. You're getting the option for a ship that has two plus force points, the option to take battle meditation, the effective focus into free coordinate mm -hmm. that you can now coordinate multiple ships. This is going to have to be like in snare levels of priced into oblivion. And that is a good point. And now they let me can get always to, adjust the price in the future as well. They can, yes. But now let me get to the second thing that I hate about Ayla is yes, uh, there her uh, Jesus words, her ability is meaningless right now because there's nothing that can reliably line up a bullseye. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? But that also ability? like that also means that they can never design a smaller ship or more mobile ship with a crew slot. Can you imagine a Phantom with Ayla's with Ayla's ability? Yeah, like the fact that, the fact that right now she's stuck on a lat. And if you get if you get into a lat's bullseye, you deserve what happens to you. Yeah, but think of something like a, a whisper with Ala Secura. Like uh, it's gonna line up bullseyes, and when it does, uh, your entire out. list is way more <laughs> for, without without costing force or anything. Mm -hmm. Like this is just any time oh. something defends and she has bullseye yeah. on that target, they get to change a blink to an eye. Oh God! That, yeah, it doesn't yeah. cost a force like, user. Be for extremely the strong. secondary configuration. That gives Delta B's also a crew slot, but they keep everything else. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, what I hate about the Lats, like, I love the Lat. I think it's a really cool ship. Uh, I'm a little worried about how much it's going to cost because of how powerful <laughs> that uh, ship chassis ability is. But So strong! Yeah, but I, I hate these crew. They're, they just, they feel like they're power creeping the game really hard. Okay. Well, speaking of power creep, let's go on to Yoda. Uh, Yoda is our first uh, upgrade card we see with two Force Charges, recurring one, so he still only recovers one per turn. Oh no. Uh, a, purple, oh, no. a purple coordinate. And, My Yoda's. Yeah. After another friendly ship at range 0 to 2 fully executes a purple maneuver or performs a purple action, you may spend a Force. If you do, that ship recovers one Force. Uh, obviously this is forward thinking for the uh, Edda, which has the purple maneuvers. Well, and just like something else performs a purple of age on yep. uh, Aether Sprite or something. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned the uh, the, the Twilight, the uh, G9 Rigger, which will likely have Anakin as a pilot. Five Force. Five Force Anakin. Uh, now, two. that's probably like a one agility ship. Yeah. So it's not a huge deal. So probably but, overkill. Probably <laughs> overkill. But even still. But at the same uh, time, like. Yoda's giving you two Force points. That's why you bring him. Yeah. Like, a 5-4 Anakin is a joke at that point. Yeah. It just has a focus all the time. Oh, it what if I roll work. nothing but eyeballs on my advanced proton torpedoes? Yeah. <laughs> so riddle me this real quick while I got you guys here. How much do you think the base lat's going to cost-ish? So, from what we've seen, they seem to value uh, a crew that adds a force point. I want the, how much is the lat 
Do you think the lat? Oh, oh lat? I thought you meant Yoda. Are you saying once or think? Think. 42. All right. So, Delta B region, Obi-Wan, and Anakid and the Naboo with R2 passives and Protorps, at least 58 points. If that miracle gets you a lat with Ayla, boom, you're in. It should not get you a lat. It shouldn't, but no. it certainly might. It might. If it does, that is uh, that is going to be incredibly powerful. Uh, so yeah, these these crew cards are going to be. They're all really good, and I wonder if part of it is that they want to push resist no resistant republic as a newer faction. Hey, let's give it some power. But just like you said, this is bringing the game almost close to that wave eight of 1.0 power creep, yeah. where these are going to have to be astronomically priced. Yeah, and I, I want to caveat that I generally trust FFG with points, with pricing. They make mistakes because, you know, they're a small company, they're going to. Uh, the human beings, yeah. They're not afraid to fix the mistakes they make, so... True. I, I'm not afraid of this actually breaking the game right now. I just... I mostly dislike it from a... It feels like it's going to constrict Republic's ability to have new ships that do fun things. Yeah. It, it makes a really awkward design space. Uh, My thing yeah. about Republic as well, it was always going to be the faction that ends up breaking the game at some point. Because yeah. it's a faction that revolves around force, and force is a bad mechanic to have. Like It's a poorly designed mechanic anyway. And having a faction revolve around such a hugely powerful mechanic is eventually going to find a way to break the game, intended or not. One random last thought that's totally unrelated to everything. If the Twilight has a turret slot, and it has two crews and a gunner. It has a turret in the in the show. It has a turret. I know. If it has two crews and a gunner. If you take Yoda, then I will accept you taking freaking uh, Ghost Company. Ghost Company. Because <laughs> then you can just focus and have five force to modify six thousand shots. <laughs> or <laughs> okay, let, let's let's wait for that until they at least announce way yeah. behind and the the river. So uh, that's the uh, XE and the lat. Uh, guys, we finally got the lat article, and it's finally here. It is both our dream the ship itself and... that I was before. Now that yeah. we've reread the, I still the demand bubble turrets. Obviously, we're. I mean, the thing about the bubble turrets is the doors have to be open. You can't open the doors in space, but we're gonna you get them anyway. I'm gonna put one of those. You shouldn't open I'm doors. One of those shields up that block space. Like a those magcon like... shield. Yeah, those those magcon shields are, a lat is way too small. Of an area to be worth putting a magcon shield in, man. Those things are expensive. Yoda can have two force points. I can put whatever those shields are called on my magcon magnetic containment. I don't know, man. I don't know your powers can go. Wow, for once I'm not the lore weirdo in the chat. Oh, I'm always the lore weirdo. I just, I just don't talk about it. All right, so. Uh, in a quick, uh, quick last bit here, the Corellia Galactic Qualifier was two weeks ago. We all participated in it, all three of us. Uh, the big news coming out of it is the six Petronaki Arena Aces. Uh, that's the big talk. But uh, before that, how'd we all do? Uh, since I uh, finished in the uh, the absolute basement, I'll start off. I went zero and three, finishing two hundredth out of just barely over two hundred competitors. I, I ran nineteen, but yeah. Uh, a lot of those were first round drops, though. So uh, I ran a rebel list uh, attempting to do beef with Tennum, uh, Braylon, 
Cassian and Ezra in the attack shuttle, uh, my thought was, hey, beefy, lots of mods, three attack dice, uh, and I got absolutely just kicked in the face for three rounds in a row. Uh, guys, I am, by and far, not a A-tier competitive player. I have no problem admitting that. I make rookie mistakes and bad list choices all the time. But this made me feel like the the worst garbage player in the game. And now, two, two weeks later, letting it settle, I realize that's not the case, but you guys all had to hear it. During and after the tournament, I was just... Not even on tilt. I was down in the mud, feeling like the absolute worst. And a lot of that was, uh, I'm not going to name and shame here, but one of my opponents was just, we all have our runs of hot dice, and it's fun when it happens. But crowing about it and gloating about it, especially when your opponent is having the exact opposite luck, this is a luck-based game in a lot of ways. We all have to acknowledge that. If you are winning or losing because of the dice, it's it's okay to be frustrated. But on the flip side, don't think this is something that you earned. If you continually, all your ships are hit-hit critting into green blanks, do not treat that as your great triumph. When you start crowing about it and bragging to your opponent that you've got their, you've got them now... It really just it ruins the experience for your opponent. We talk about yeah, we talk about being able to lose with grace, be able to win with grace as well. Be a good sport about it. Uh, it sucks to have the dice not go your way. It sucks even more when your opponent rubs your face in it. Don't yeah. be that guy. And I, I agree completely. And on the other side, like sometimes your dice are just gonna suck, and it's fine to be frustrated, and it's fine to you know show that frustration a little bit. But whenever you're complaining about every single roll or, you know, like even average rolls, you're complaining that, you know, your opponent's dice are better or whatever, like that's just as bad. Like in general, I try to avoid talking about dice as much as I can, uh, especially in uh, negative connotation. Yeah, I, I had to put myself on push to talk because I, I was just swearing a blue cloud at my dice. I went on massive, massive tilt with this tournament. And the fact that that kind of started my uh, losing streak rolling didn't help at all. Uh, thankfully, though, I have come out of that trough, not just with a win, but uh, emotionally and confidence-wise, I've come out of that trough. But yeah, this was the worst tournament I've had, uh, definitely in second edition, and probably since my first year of playing X-Wing, uh, this was the, the worst I'd done at a tournament. So uh, no, no fault of my opponents or Dion and them for putting on the tournament. They all did great. Uh, and I'm happy to see that some of my opponents actually did reasonably well. None of them made the cut, but uh, yeah, it was, I, I did not have fun at Corellia. Well, the good uh, news is uh, as rough it is to lay an egg, you, you were already at home. You didn't have to commute. Anywhere. Yeah, I, I didn't have to drive. Home. Right home. <laughs> That's true. I, I got to go. Oh, three drop and then move 10 feet to my couch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Alex, how did you do? a little bit better. I ended up 2-2. Two and two. Um, One game one, really close, was a three-point win at time. Um, I missed math, thought he was going to win, so it was a nice surprise at the end when he did the math and saw that I won. So that was neat. Um, but then round two was a big sad. I sent my found route, found route, my center route up at the board edge and clicked the wrong maneuver in Tabletop TO, which ended up flying him off the board on turn one of the game. Ooh. Tabletop Simulator. Yeah. Which um, is a big sad. 
obviously I didn't win that game. Yeah. So that made me one and one. And then from there I won another game. Then I hit the world's hardest counter. Flying an ace list, which is Luke Gunnar Hahn with a 15-point bid. Oh, literally also literally outplayable. Also Sakura, so my fang was sad. Oh, Speaking yeah. of Fenra. So yeah, yeah like that, that was an unwinnable matchup. And since that tabled me with just Han, Jake not even being involved, um, I was out of the tournament. Um, yeah, even though uh, some 4 and 2s made the cut, yeah, getting uh, ha- having I, that MOV... Uh... Well, one game I essentially got tabled because Fenra flew off the board on turn 1, so it wasn't even a game of X-Wing. I got to watch my opponent take 60 minutes to kill a Y-Wing and a Kirax. Oh, no. Jesus Christ. Play faster. Yeah. Um, and then I hit the world's hardest counter. But I did want to touch on the whole... When an opponent flies a ship off the board on the first turn of the game, like, obviously you're not obligated to let them have that back, but personally, I don't see how you can't let them have it back. I, I've let someone flash ship off the board and take it back on the finals of a tournament. because it In the middle of the round, too. The middle, the middle of the game. Like, yeah. uh, we we just, saw that happen at the uh, Toronto System Open when indeed, uh, the final, Wong and Pete Rose. Talking about when I... I specifically can say I will let it happen, because I have done it. I have let it happen before. In the finals of a tournament. Yeah. Like, how can you feel good winning about when a ship person flies a ship off the board the first turn? I don't understand it. Obviously, you're not obligated to let the ship come back on, and your opponent shouldn't ask, but there is never a time I won't offer to let my opponent take that back. Right, one of those, hey, you obviously meant to do a three left instead of a three right. Do you want to do that maneuver? It it shows a little bit of grace. I would say offer that once at the beginning of the game. Uh, I feel that making that mistake late in the game is often a, a result of fatigue, and uh, being able to withstand fatigue is a game skill. So this right. is round two on a literally computer. I just yeah. literally right. clicked the wrong button. Yeah, literally because they're right next to each when other. When turn one of round two, it's obviously again, and you're exactly right. It's an easy misclick to make, and uh, yeah, personally, I think you know you're exactly right. There's there's a bit of sportsmanship there when you. It's kind of like reminding your opponent. You have to remind them of triggers and things like that. But reminding your opponent of things like, uh, hey, you've got bullseye. Or uh, are you using Tally's ability? Things like that. That's kind of good sportsmanship. It's something they could blitz over. I do it. I do it every time. I want to beat them at their best. Yeah, there's. I, I said it last week when we were talking about mobile fortressing, and like, it's not that it's morally wrong or that you like should be forced to do it. It's that I came to play a tabletop board game. I'm here to have fun. And how is it fun if my opponent starts 71 points down because of an obvious misclick? Like, yeah, There's obviously, no way I'm you intentionally flew your ship off the board. Indeed. On and obviously, I'm bummed it knocked me out of the tournament. Yeah. But uh, I, again, I don't think I won't say anyone's obligated to do so because you're not. But I, I don't see from a personal standpoint, I don't see how you couldn't. I'm going to take a stronger stance. I think you should be obligated to do it. Like, I think we're a community that's meant to like. We're known. We're, we think we're known for being like a welcoming and friendly community. We'd like to talk about how we are. <laughs> yeah, we should. We should hold ourselves up to a higher, higher standard. Like in situations like that, where it is so blatantly obvious that that was not the intended maneuver, there is zero reason for you not to do it. And if you don't do it, then I think you're a problem in the community. Yeah. Uh, uh, got- we did know this player. I'm not going to name names, but. He, he, I expected the outcome that happened, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. But my favorite is the well. Ordinarily, I'd let you take it back, but this is uh, a tournament. No, you yeah. wouldn't. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, you, you, would got, you guys have both. I have uh, locally here matched up against both of you in top eights of tournaments, and I have a occasional uh, 
mental glitch of I will get completely dyslexic with names of ships. And it'll be like, all right, I'm going to go ahead and take the shot at Obi-Wan here. And I've done this to Doug, and Doug was like, do you mean you're taking the shot at Anakin? He's like, yes, yes, I do. Thank you for telling me that before rolling dice so it doesn't look like I'm changing targets. And that's one of those things where if your opponent obviously meant to do one thing, or, like, they've moved on to another ship and going, oh, I was going to focus here. And I look at it and go, yeah, obviously you were going to focus there. Go ahead and put a focus token down. Things like that are just... Fact decisions that I've already made and take yeah. it back every time. Yeah. Yeah. If you've gone like, you know, two ships beyond and go, oh, I didn't want to take a target lock here. I want to take a focus. So that I'm going to be like, no, no, no. You measured for the target lock. You take the target lock. Yeah. So, but that's different. But like, yeah. yeah, if somebody like on turn one, their dial slips and they land on a rock on turn one, like a three hard onto a rock or whatever, mm-hmm. they didn't mean to do that. Take that back. You probably yeah. moved first anyway. And even if you didn't, it's the first turn. Like, yeah. No harm, no foul there. Well, uh, having brought up mobile fortressing, Doug, how did you do uh, there? Uh, I had a, a decent tournament. I uh, I went five and one in Swiss, uh, so I did I did make it to day two. Um, all of my opponents were were great, so uh, I'm sorry you guys had <laughs> experiences. Hey, all of my other opponents were fantastic opponents. Yeah. Even the on Jake guy who just was like, "Here's Han, you're dead now." Like yeah. he made it fast. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, thanks for the sweet drop, bro. Yeah. Now I get to not do this anymore. Uh, I was flying two Deltas, which are the I-1 Defenders, and Echo with passives and Big Brother. Uh, I played against uh, a decent variety of stuff. Uh, I played against three FO lists, which kind of surprised me, uh, but they were all pretty different. Um, like One was an Ordnance SF-based list with Captain Cardinal. Uh, one was an ordnance-based SF list with Kylo, and then uh, three of the Sinars and Hollow. Now, remind me because I have literally never seen him on the table. What the hell is Captain Cardinal's ability? Uh, it's actually pretty. It's surprisingly annoying. Um, let's see. Let me pull up the actual text. Uh, so he's an I four Upsilon, and while a friendly ship at range one to two with lower initiative than you defends or performs an attack, if you have at least one charge, that ship may reroll one I result. After an enemy ship at range zero to three is destroyed, lose one charge. Uh, okay. So, uh, essentially, what he used it for was he just didn't worry about focus tokens for defense. He'd spend them on offense nonstop because he had the reroll on yeah. defense. Okay, that's... And it came cool. up a pretty frequent number of times. Yeah, that actually... Huh. Yeah. Now, it's almost meme that Cardinal is the, the terrible, you know, Upsilon you never fly, but that actually sounds like it came in pretty, pretty handy. Yeah, uh, so he was my round one opponent. Uh, great guy. Um... He got the better of me on the opening engage, uh, but as a general theme throughout the tournament, uh, defenders are so dumb. <laughs> they're just the stupidest ship in the game. <laughs> they truly they're, are. There's a reason they're 67 points. Yeah, they, they should be more. Damage forever and walk away. Uh, yeah. So I had twice in the tournament, I had exceptionally below average dice, green dice for one round. And what I mean by that is... I lost a defender in one round twice over eight. Oh. And yeah, and both times I'm talking, I rolled like 12 to 14 green dice and rolled one natural evade. Nice. Uh, that's talking the about only reason that it got PS killed as an yeah. I one ship. Like uh, yeah. they're, they're just unbelievably tanky. Yeah. They're ridiculous. Truly. Uh, now, I uh, more people not flying though. I'm really glad you're not. So kindly don't. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but moving also... into uh, day two, where I did make the cut, uh, I played Mitch Rab, who is the uh, the guy who made top four at Worlds with the Quad Vipers uh, in the controversial uh, mobile fortressing uh, scenario. 
he did not do that against me. Um, he was a, a really nice opponent. I had a great time. Um, I got a bit of a, the upper hand on the opening engage again because the deltas just refused to take damage. Like he took four shots into one delta, two of them with crack shot, and I took two shields. And then I blew up a Star Viper in return. Um, and then from there, it was actually a really close back and forth game. It came down to uh, him with one full health Star Viper and one one health Star Viper against a full health defender. And uh, the 4Ks are just too strong, man. Like, Indeed. Uh, it's and, so hard for an ace to close against even a Delta. Yeah. And, because and the 4Ks in the Focus Evade means you're yeah. taking worse shots at them than they are at you, and they're shooting at you every turn. Yeah, and the Star Vipers mitigate that a little bit uh, with the ability to do the funky barrel roll. True. Um, but in, for in the, the rest of your opponents. Yeah. They had sad times. Uh, yeah, he flew it exceptionally well, and like... I want to say there were like 25 to 30 minutes left when it got down to just the three ships. And uh, we played until there were about, I don't know, four minutes left or something. And we played dozens of rounds. Like we, he was playing quick and making sure we got plenty of time in. Uh, he did an amazing job at keeping me from getting shots on the one health Viper. And it just it took one range three to sneak it through. Um, yeah. But so uh, props to Mitch. It was, it was a great yeah, game. Absolutely. Bear saying that even though there was that whole controversy about the, uh, the mobile fortressing, Mitch is more than capable of flying that list in a very aggressive and tactical manner. Uh, he's a very, very good player with those. And having got the chance to meet him at the Las Vegas Open, a really nice guy. So oh, yeah. uh, I'm just... glad that uh, you know people can see beyond that meme of, oh, he did a thing we didn't like. But you know what? He's a good guy. And Ever since they said, hey, don't do this, he's been more than open about, yeah, now that it's discouraged, I will not do it. Yep. And he's more than happy to see, you know, sit there and go, you know what? I can't use this strategy. I'm going to beat you up with this list anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, your top 16 match was streamed. Uh, what it eventually knocked you out? <laughs> yeah, against uh, Paul Adler, who made top four, I think, is where he went out um, with... Uh... With uh, Echo, so we had an Echo Mirror, uh, Vader, and Soontir. Uh So I actually played another Echo Mirror earlier in the day, or I guess the day before, where I had the initiative, and it went great for me. And this game, he had uh, choice of first player, and he made Ooh. me first player. That was much worse, uh, especially because he was running an outmaneuver Echo, so <laughs> my Echo lost his shields on the first turn from a range three, and it went downhill from there. I can imagine, especially Echo in the mirror, initiative's got to be so important because Echo is just so repositionable. And with the changes to how system phases work, uh, which I guess it wouldn't really matter since they're both I-4, but in general, for Phantoms, the like Phantom mirror match, uh, initiative's really important because if you are second player, you get to see where all the decloaks happen before yeah. you have to decloak. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, he played phenomenally. Uh, I made a pretty... Big mistake in the opening gauge, in my opinion. Um, and he just did an amazing job of not letting me come back from it. Uh, like, I, I I got shots throughout the game, but I was always having to reposition or, you know, go over a gas cloud or something, so I never had mods. Uh, and so a lot of people after the game were talking about my dice were cold, but, uh, but really, I just never got to have mods. And when you don't have mods, your dice are cold a lot of the time, it turns out. Yeah. True. Uh, so yeah, that, uh, that seems to be how it happens. Uh, I am never going to watch that game again, but uh, <laughs> if you want to watch me embarrass myself, it is on GSP. I think they put it up on YouTube yesterday, actually. Um, All right. So there's that. Well, so yeah, Doug's going to Coruscant. Alex and I still have to fight our way back in. Uh, I had debated doing the Dathomir uh, qualifier this weekend, which is on London time, 
that would have required me getting up at 3 a.m. for the player meeting, so I, uh, I wisely opted out of it, deciding that I'm going to take this long holiday weekend and actually get some sleep in instead, so... Straight up done, Dathomir, if I wasn't visiting my parents and uh, socially distancing at their house. <laughs> but uh, I'm doing that instead. Their internet connection is not stable enough mm-hmm. for me, and since then, they live uh, on top of a mountain, so I can't... They don't have good internet. Ah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, on the 19th, of course, uh, the Conquer Dawn qualifier, which is Australia time zone, which uh, we're like, oh, that's possible. And then one of our buddies uh, that we all know is uh, getting married that weekend. Yeah, doing a socially distanced reception that I was looking at that going, oh, if I make day two, I'm going to have to not be able to play in day two because I'm going to be at a wedding reception because of the time difference. And so I thought, ah, I would not like to pay money to play in an all-nighter tournament that I'm not going to be able to play in the (laughs) Worked out the the timing. If you made day two, you could get your pairings, sit down across from your top 32 opponent, immediately concede. (laughs) And then run to the reception, yeah. I mean, the reception's two blocks from our house, so it's really easy for us. Oh, okay. (laughs) Unfortunately, we also have a friend in town that day, so... Yeah, so he's going to... Yeah. But yeah, so to those who are going to be playing at uh, those events, best of luck to you, and uh, hopefully we'll see you at Corellia. Alex and I still have a uh, crate to try and qualify. Uh, Doug, is you, you you already got a uh, ticket for crate, didn't you? I have not gotten one yet, but I'm going to. You're going to? Are you yeah. just going to fly uh, hilarious meme garbage? Uh, I'll probably fly new stuff. Um, I mean, i got to get practice for Coruscant, right? There is that. Yeah, no but if I can't find anything I like, yes, I'm going to fly meme garbage. Also, for all the salt that's about to flow towards Doug, Dion said if somebody makes the cut and already has a ticket, the ticket will flow down. Yeah. So Doug will not be depriving anybody of a, of a Corellia spot, even if he w- makes the cut again. Unlike the three worlds tickets Doug stole from me. <laughs> he got one anyway. worked out. And there's no world. Double worked out. I knew all along. I predicted that. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we have talked about the uh, C-Class shuttle, we have talked about the LAT and how it's going to possibly break the game, and we, uh, we covered Corellia. Uh, as we're wrapping it up, we actually do have a, uh, a listener question that has come in for us. Uh, this question comes from Benjamin, who is, uh, if you listen to the end of the podcast, he is our like and subscribe voice. Uh, Benjamin, age six, asks us, who can do the best Wookiee noise? It's not me. Uh, well, we'll have to find out. Uh, Doug, give us your best Wookiee noise. Oh, jeez. Okay. Uh... Actually, that's better than I expected. That, that, that's pretty good. Uh, uh, Alex? Okay, not, not too bad. Uh, it's not great. Wookie. I'm bad at impressions. Okay, okay. What's my motivation here? Gotta, gotta think back to Juilliard. Yeah. That was pretty oh, good. No. Like stepping on a duck made Wookie call. <laughs> I, heard definite, I heard definite quack in there. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I Wookie called through my nose there. Ow, that actually hurt. <laughs> All right, so uh, readers, we will let you... Uh, readers. readers. Listen, yeah. <laughs> uh, comment on our socials. Who had the best uh, Wookie call there? Okay, don't vote for me. I'm burning this podcast down. <laughs> All right, well... Uh, <laughs> this is becoming an Among Us podcast. That's true. <laughs> don't vote for Doug. <laughs> All right. Uh, good luck to everybody who's going to be in the Dathomir qualifier this weekend. Uh, do we have any shout-outs? Uh, my Falcon King Bob Howe. I got it off first. Uh, yes. Uh, to the Falcon King Bob Howe. We were simultaneous at best. Yep. Uh, 
I'd like to give, uh, again, a shout-out to uh, Kenneth Lyons, who was my opponent in the uh, Militant Casual Jank Tournament for uh, a well-fought game and a hard-earned victory. Um, coming for you in the top cut, if I make it. Uh, anything else, guys? Dion for doing an amazing job at Corellia. And Dion as well for being a wonderful marshal. As he always is. Uh, on our next podcast, we're actually going to start delving into the different factions for Extended. Uh, we will also be covering the uh, HMP, the Humpty Gunship, uh, for the Separatists. So be ready for that on our next one. We're really looking forward to getting some new stuff out there and uh, hopefully giving you guys some enlightenment on what to expect when Crate comes around the corner or whatever your local tournaments are. So for Tashi Station Radio, I'm Matt Newt. I'm Doug Howe. And I'm Alex Smiddle. And guys, we got our lat. 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 But lat. Lat noises are happy. Crew noises are sad. Hi, folks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tashi Station Radio. If you'd like to support us and help offset our hosting costs, you can go to co-fi.com slash Tashi Station Radio and toss us a few credits to help keep the Huck cartels off our backs. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at Tashi Station Radio and X-Wing Podcast, on Twitter at Tashi Station XW, and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Tashi Station X-Wing. As always, thank you for listening. Be sure to like and hit subscribe. Yubby yub.